The Ziggler Show. Timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 318 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, brand ambassador and marketing strategist for Ziggler. Today's show is part two of Handling What Happens to You. In our last show, we played an incredibly powerful 13-minute clip from Zig that was just too rich to cover in one show. If you missed it, go download show number 317 now. In discussing how hard things happen to people and why some overcome them, we really culminated with them having a strong why, a vision for their life and a purpose, a goal, a dream. And it's not just one thing, but it may be a few things, many things, some big and some small whys. Right now, I want to pick up with another point from Zig in that clip, and it's about trying, learning, and failing. And I'm going to make this one personal to you and to me, Tom. Uh, Zig said people who overcome are willing to try and make mistakes and figure it out, which you would often say is you know failing. Uh, but he used the, the Edsel and talked about that, that they took a mistake and capitalized it, and thus it was a success. And I love the perspective on that. It reminded me of Franz Johansson. He's a guy who wrote The Medici Effect. And in that book, he said a trait of successful entrepreneurs was they were just willing to try more things. Yet it seems that we're in a culture that's more and more risk-averse. Being responsible means one thing. It's being secure. And fewer people will risk that security and allow themselves to make mistakes and, like with the Ed School, discover the real gold. And I've got to admit, Tom, I've learned most of what I value in my own life by failing, overcoming, and learning my limits and strengths and truth, which only comes by trying. And so on that note, I want to talk about these world-class leaders that Zig mentioned in the clip where he said, again, 75% of them were found to have either been raised in poverty or been abused as children or had some serious physical impairment. Now, it makes me wonder if folks who've had a relatively easy life are at a detriment. Uh, Is shielding our kids best? I mean, obviously, you know, we don't want to abuse our kids or push trial on them just so that they'll get stronger, but should we not make them privy to hardship? So Tom, uh, the willingness to, to try and to deal with failure and to have hardship. I mean, you're fortunate like I am to have had a dad that tried a lot of things and we saw the ups and we saw the downs and uh, it's easy to say that we learned by their successes, but Tom, I'm going to pose it to you. What did you learn and how did it equip you to see Zig's failures? You know, dad dad never looked at failure like a failure. He always looked at it as a new piece of information of a way that won't work. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when he applied it to his business life and his personal life, I mean, he was unstoppable because he, he would always think, how can I be better? What can I do? Let me try this. He would try and he'd go, oh, well, feedback there, that wasn't so good. Maybe if I tweak it just a little bit. And so people don't realize that he became the master of the stage, giving thousands and thousands of presentations. It wasn't because the first thousand presentations he gave were the best in the world. It was because he realized that he could learn something from every single one of them and then tweak it just a little bit. 
And so when he got to the, you know, the meat of his career, when he was impacting and speaking in front of hundreds of thousands of people every year, standing ovations, it was because he had taken all those failures and everything he'd learned along the way and out of that created this, this body of work, this thing that really impacted people. If he'd given up the first, you know, 10 times he went out and tried it and nobody applauded, you know, what would the world be like today? What would we have missed in that? And the other thing that just kind of popped to mind is I was, I think I was watching a documentary or maybe it was the book called The Greatest Generation. And it was a book, an expose, a documentary on the greatest generation for the U.S. was the World War II veteran generation, right? The, the, the men and women who went in and fought World War II. And so the question went like this. They said, what do you think was the reason for the success that you had? Right, Because think about the country at that time. The country had come out of the Great Depression. Now we're facing you know, this, this so evil, so hard to even describe enemy bent on taking over the world basically. And we're going off to war and, and we're, we're behind schedule. We're not, we're not up to speed on our military machine. We, you know, our economy is just starting to go. It's not really moving yet. We go off and these young men and women go out and they win. And then they come back home and change the world, right? The manufacturing took off. The, the, everything about the United States just blew – I mean just exploded in a positive sense of growth and technology and innovation and economy and everything. And so they asked all these World War II vets, you know, what made you the greatest generation? And they all said the same thing. They said, oh, you know, when we were growing up, it was in the Depression and we had nothing. All we had was each other. And he said, all we could count on was each other. So, you know, we would all eat very little. We all had very little clothes. We, you know, there was no entertainment. We had to keep each other entertained, but we were in it together. So we had strong values. We knew that if we were going to get out of this, we had to work our way out of it. And so when we went to war, we knew it was going to be hard, but guess what? We were used to hard. We were used to fighting and battling. We were used to pulling together and making this happen as a team. And then they asked, this is the telling question, they asked them, well, to this greatest generation, they asked all these veterans, all these, these people in this age group, they said, well, what did you want for your kids? And they all said the same thing in their own words. They said, well, you know, we want to give them more than we had. We don't want them to struggle as much as we struggled. We don't want them to suffer like we suffered. And isn't it ironic that the very reason they said they were successful was the one thing they wanted to take away from their kids, which was the struggle. Mm -hmm. And in our own life today, I mean, we think we struggle and then we meet somebody from another country. We have no idea what struggle is, right? And in our own life, we just get bogged down in the struggle and we think, oh, this is not fair. I'm I'm just going to give up. And in that generation, the struggle was just part of the victory, you know, I have to work hard and work hard and work hard. And, and when I do, I've got my friends and family around me and I get to eat. And wow, look, you know, this month was better than last month. And they can see this progression of this optimism that said, you know what, we can pull together and make it happen. And so when I look at, you know, when I look at people and they let their emotions and their attitude and failure kind of bog them down, boy, if you just flip that over and said, hey, the more I struggle, the bigger the victory. Man, that's uh, so much in that, Tom, and uh, it pulled out more points than I can even hit on the fly here. You talked about 
how we shield uh, that area, the, the one area of success that people pointed to, and yet we tend to shield others, shield our kids, shield those around us from that hardship that then strengthens us. You know, it, it again made me think of just my own upbringing that I, I saw my dad go after big things. And as people are thinking about this, I think it's got to be an ingredient is you've got to be willing to go after more than you can handle to a degree. I had a good friend one time say from a faith-based standpoint, would God ever call you to something that didn't require him to come through within it? Well, I, I can't find anything in my Bible that came across as uh, an easy calling that we didn't need God in. And it, it really it set me back. So I look at my own upbringing, you know, Tom, with my dad, uh, Dan Miller, who uh, you guys have heard as a guest on this very show, Dan with 48days.com. And I saw him go after so many things and I saw the successes. I saw the failures. And one year we're driving a Cadillac and uh, the next year it's it's most embarrassing a jalopy you've ever seen, but it didn't ruin the peace at home. And I, I didn't care what we had. It was the relationship and even the adventure that I really appreciated. And I, you know, I may not have had the toys the other kids had, but I got faith and, and confidence and experience that they didn't have that I so value today. And, I, and I'll tell you, even now as a father, and I've got kids from five years old to 19, and I, it brings me to what you just said, Tom. Some of those things, my dad required a lot of me. I didn't always appreciate that at the time. Now I do. And yet when I see what have I done with my kids, uh, I'm seeing some pieces where I haven't required enough from them. And now that they're 19 and 18 and 15, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going back on, on some of what I did with them. And I'm looking, at least my younger kids especially, saying, gosh, I need to require more of these kids. So how do we do that? And I can hear people, they understanding this right now. Those of you who are listening and hearing this and yeah, the things that really stretch us, the trials are what make us stronger. And therefore we often will succeed because of those. But how do we implant those in our lives today? I wish I had that answer for you. I don't, but it's something to contemplate how if knowing the value of trial where do you put it in your life? I, I will say I've seen some people just go after go after things bigger than you can handle. It doesn't mean you have to jeopardize your finances and end up in the poorhouse, but go after something. Make a goal. Go run a marathon. Do something. Let your kids see that and let them see you overcome. Uh, I don't think there's any greater example than uh, we can give our kids and to be it ourselves. Well, I want to hit another piece of this, Tom, from this clip. Zig said, you know, if there's hope, in the future, there's literally power in the present. And then he talked, and this is one that I know is a hot topic for you right now, Tom, about going from survival to stability, from stability to success, and then from success to significance. So I'm going to pull out that word significance. I have a concern about how people view that word and how many of them are concerned with having significance in their lives. I mean, we watch again, people of great significance pursuing big things of significance on a screen and we revere it, but fewer pursue it or know anyone who is, how do we get motivated by significance by leaving a legacy? I mean, we want to pay off now. I mean, we know that we joke about it. We're a microwave society, but in that regards, I mean, doesn't leaving a legacy involve doing legendary things now, I and mean, we're talking about present day issues. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, you know, 
my definition of significance uh, and the difference between success and significance is this. You're successful when you have more of the good things that life has to offer. You're significant when you help someone else achieve or acquire more of the good things that life has to offer. And so what that means is, is that it's not that when we leave a legacy, okay, when, as, as, a, as a father with a 20-year-old, just, you know, we're kind of in the same boat as far as our kids age. I just have one, though. I don't have a herd. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. But, but, you know, when I think of legacy, part of you starts, and our culture is this way, what can I leave her? You know, what kind of money, what, what kind of business, what kind of stuff can I leave her? And it reminds me, I used to tell this story, and, and just imagine that you're in the jungle, right? And it's the meanest, nastiest, darkest jungle in the world, and there's snakes, and there's spiders, and, you know, there's jaguars, and there's piranhas in the river. I mean, everywhere is dangerous. And you're there in that jungle, and, and, and somebody hands you a map, and it's a map to get out of the jungle, Right. And then somebody taps you on the shoulder and they say, hey, you know, you, you can have the map or you can have the map maker with you. Hmm. Who are you going to pick? Mm-hmm. Right? Of course we're going to pick the map maker, right? We, we want the person there with us. We, you know, and it's a, it's a spiritual metaphor, but, you know, I don't want to give my daughter stuff and hope that she knows how to use it, right? I want to teach her how to read the map and even create a map for somebody else because then the equipment that you have isn't necessary, right? Because it's not, my success isn't dependent upon the resources at my fingertips that were given to me by somebody else. And that's where in our age group, you know, people who were starting to think legacy on the one hand, it's like, Hey, I want to leave this physical wealth, which by the way, you can lose in an instant, but if, if we take a, a different approach and say, I want to leave this wisdom, I want to leave this knowledge, this information, this way of living. And, I, and it goes back to, you know, if, if somebody came to you and they were begging for money and you knew they were going to go buy drugs with it, you wouldn't give them the money, right? That'd be, nobody would, right? That's an enabler. Yet so many times in our, in our society and even where we work, Somebody asks for help, and it's so much easier to, quote, give them the money than it is to sit down next to them, put your arm around them, and then show them how to do it. Because, our, like you said, we're in a microwave society. Not only do we want an instant response, we don't want to take the extra time to show them how to do it. And so legacy significance is about a transfer of wisdom. And that's what we have to be focused on. Well, you said so in so many words, in so many ways, right then – talking about purpose and we know that where do people find the most purpose is having meaning in someone's life. Uh, and you talk, talking about kids. I mean, you know, putting food on the table, clothes on their back and a roof over their head uh, to me doesn't qualify as my purpose as having meaning in their lives. Actually, my insurance policy could do a better job of that if I died, uh, those pieces, <laughs> but what am I imparting to them? Beyond that, what are we imparting to others beyond that? That is where we see people find the most purpose. It's definitely where I found the most in my own life, and that is what we're talking about with legacy. And I, I do want to make a mention to the Ziegler Legacy Certification here, but I want to hit one more point to lead us into it from Zig's clip. He talks about understanding 
And he, he references understanding what you're hearing, understanding what you're reading. And he really makes, he pulls that out. He says, it's not about hearing and reading. It's about understanding what you're hearing and reading. I think we get caught up into thinking that we benefit just from hearing and reading. We devour these best-selling self-help books like we sell at Ziggler. It's great stuff, and people devour them, but I think it often comes down to positive entertainment because they're not really digesting it. They're not really studying it to understand, as Ziggler says, and to therefore you know, apply and make a difference in their lives, to invest. Uh, that is a big point to ponder. How many of these podcasts have you listened to? listen to as a listener out there how many of zig's books have you read and other people who have great content and you've heard it and you've read it and you continue to and that's awesome that's great some of that's going to stick it's always about uh, putting some seeds in there but really diving in and applying it to your life that is what the ziggler legacy certification is about and uh that is the, the testimonies that i hear from that are what keep me bringing it back up when people go and it's a group generally of about 20 people, 20, 25 people spend five days down at the Ziegler headquarters with Tom, with the other team members, family members of Ziegler and go through this stuff and talk about it. And like we do in the show to really ask those hard questions and to have full understanding and then to go further, say, how do I apply this? And then how can I lead others in this? And now there've been people that have gone through this course solely to edify themselves and their own personal lives. But I think very few are even able to do that without saying, I've got to give this to somebody else. And then there's a lot of them that are there specifically for that reason. They want to do that from a business perspective, from a ministry's perspective. They want to impart this uh, to other people. It is about understanding. And Tom, I know you live and breathe this. You're down there. You spend five full days with people. And I'm sure you've got lots of examples of when that light bulb of understanding comes on. Tell us about that. But then folks, I do ZigglerCertified.com is where you go find out about it. July is the next event coming up. And uh, I think that there are somewhere around 10 slots available for that. Go check it out there. But when have you seen that light bulb of understanding? Come on, Tom. I tell you, the, the number one tip I would say, and it doesn't matter what program you go to, what book you read, what audio series you listen to, you will get a multiple, I'm going to say 5, 10, maybe 20 times, whatever you invest in it. If you just listen to it with the sole intent of turning around and sharing and teaching that information to somebody else. I was just thinking while we were talking, I, I just got back from Ireland. I attended a conference over there. The title of it was... Uh, influence mastery. Uh, the presenters were fantastic. And, you know, I, I spent money going over there, a hotel room. The event was awesome. It was three days. But I'm getting my money back. I'm getting my learning because I've come back to my staff and I'm actually teaching them pieces of it. Not like they did in the seminar, but hey, here's the takeaway. I've shared some of this with our, our ZLC, our Ziggler Legacy Certified Trainers, at our conference call yesterday. And I've actually started writing in a different format based on what I learned. And so you see understanding comes from that comb combination of implementing it and teaching others. If you just set in mind, hey, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to listen to this podcast, and I'm going to go share what I learned with a friend, then the uptake of your learning is going to go through the roof. 
Well, there you go. Go to ZigglerCertified.com. July, you can still get in to become Ziggler Legacy Certified. And uh, Tom will promise to dance an Irish jig for you at the event. Deal? <laughs> Deal? All right. It's, it's, in, it's in audio now. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next show. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZigglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.